got a lot of books. You are a prolific author. Look at Hold On to Hope. <laughs> I'm Love not a techie, notes. so it took a minute. <laughs> you good? Oh, my goodness. Look at all these books. I, got, I just wanted to say thank you, Pastor L and Carla, for having me. And I just feel I felt so welcome here. And it's good to be here. And I just love them. Um, Pastor L has ministered at the Hope Center. He's coming again. And it's just a great connection. So just very honored to be here with you today. Just briefly, I have a resource table out there. This book, Hold On to Hope. From Bipolar and Brokenness to Healing and Wholeness. I love Andrew Womack endorsed it, but I love what he said, and that's why I put it on the top. If the revelation of our new identity can set Nicole free, it will work for anyone. Thank you, Jesus. And that's why I have it there. It's not, you know, it's for everyone. Thank you, Jesus. And then uh, Hold On to Love, The Relentless Rescuing and Restoring Love of Our Good Father. Um, just the truths that have helped me in my healing journey uh, 14 and a half years later. And hold on to truth, the journey, that's what I'm going to talk about a little bit today, from traumatized thinking to triumphant believing. And this is also a Bible study. It has um, questions in there. My, and then I have two devotionals. I love this one, Grace, Resting, Receiving, and Reigning in Life. Um, this was my quarantine writing, <laughs> and I just love it. I just put all the little nuggets in there that just really blessed me, so this is out there. And then Love Notes to My Beloved was actually my first book before all of these. are just let from the Father to you. She loves you. So those are out there. And as I'm setting up here, why don't you turn to your neighbor and say, God loves you. Now turn to your neighbor and say, but I'm his favorite. <laughs> and then I like to joke around at the Hope Center, although I got in trouble from someone one time for doing that. Turn to your neighbor and say, I heard Nicole really is his favorite. So anyway. And if you're going to argue with me, that's good. You got it. So we're all his favorite. Amen. Why don't we just say that we're all his favorite. <laughs> so I wanted to start out um, and just uh, mention, you know, what happened recently. I was recently contacted by a celebrity that was actually on the movie Sister Act. And she had seen my story and she contacted me and told me that she was touched by my story. And so she started sharing a little bit of her story with me. And then I was ministering to her. And then she told me that she, and she was introducing me to the acting world with some of the things that she was saying and some clips that she was sending me. And then she told me about she adopted, a, a, she had a spiritual daughter from Australia that came to take acting classes in New York, but she noticed that the girl wasn't really doing well, and eventually this girl confided in her that she was sex trafficked. And so she had, her story was that she 
and her cousin were abducted in Australia and they were raped 60 times in two weeks. And she had given her testimony uh, at Hillsong even. But uh, the woman who contacted me said, would you mind ministering to her? Uh, because she's feeling a little bit suicidal and I know your story. So that started some time where I was talking and ministering to this Australian girl. And then uh, the actress asked me, do you, I am, we're actually with another actress, and if I told you her name, you would know, we're compiling this uh, book. We're doing a book of 100 women's stories to encourage people, and we want to know if you want to be part of that book. And of course, I said yes, because anytime I can brag on Jesus, I'm going to do it. And I thought this is, you know, there's other actors and actresses and unknown people in there like me in it. And it's just a book to encourage people with different stories. And then I could tell you, you know, then, then, you know, just other things happen. And then I found out that the actress that contacted me actually was the young girl that I was ministering to. She impersonated everyone in this story. And this story was actually all a lie. And, of course, I was like, how could I have been so deceived? Like, but that storyline, I believed it. And that became my reality at the time. And so I felt like I knew these three people that she impersonated. And so basically, this woman uh, was a pathological liar, but I pray that she finds healing and wholeness, you know, because obviously she doesn't know her identity. But it got me to thinking, the devil is a pathological liar. In John 8, 44, it says, For there is no truth in him when he lies he speaks his native language, for he's a liar and the father of lies. But in Numbers 20 through 19, God does not lie. He is truth. God is not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent. Hath he said it, and shall not he do it? Or hath he spoken, and shall he not make it good? So there's two different realities. There's lies and truth, but what we believe becomes our reality. And that's why we have to keep hearing the word of God, the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ over and over again. But guess what? There's good news. We have a good father who helps us in this journey. Romans 2.4 says God's kindness is meant to lead us to repentance. And I was so happy to find out that that Greek word for repentance actually means change your mind. So God is always pursuing us with his truth and his love and his goodness that causes our realities to change for the better to new creation realities that belong to us. But, you know, maybe you're listening and some of you feel stuck and you realize maybe you're believing lies and you don't know what they are and you don't know how to be free. But I'm here to tell you that no matter what you've gone through 
or what you're going through, Jesus has provided a way out. He's the way out, and he will help you get to the other side. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm going to the other side. God loves us more in a minute than anyone could ever love us in a lifetime. He loves us as we are, not a future version of us. He loves us, and he loves that he created us to be his children. So why don't you just say out loud, I am a loved child of God. But I want to share with you a little bit briefly of what was my reality for many years, and then share a little bit about my reality that has changed. Thank you, Jesus. But my you know, unfortunately, my first introductions to the world were, you know, with parents who didn't love each other. Um, they only got married because my mom was pregnant with me. You know, a father who never wanted kids. Uh, there was verbal, physical, I endured verbal, physical, and sexual abuse. And there were drugs and alcohol and parties and just arguing and screaming. And so I did not feel safe growing up. I did not feel loved or approved of. It was constant chaos and turmoil. And so abuse takes a toll on children, you know. So I started developing these core heart beliefs that I was defective, that there was something wrong with me, that, you know, no one loves me. I can't trust anyone with good reason, actually, um, but, you know, especially people in authority that were supposed to care for me and that, you know, everybody would be better off without me. And because of no one taught me what to do with lies and negative emotions, and I know many of you can relate. And so because of receiving and believing those core heart beliefs about myself, uh, you know, fear and anxiety and anger became the realities in my life. Those were my norms. That's what I was used to. And so I call it, uh, my husband uh, grew up in France, so he grew up in the, in the French culture. So when he came to the U.S., um, he quickly realized we don't kiss people on the cheek when we greet them or say goodbye. You know, we don't spend three hours at the dinner table usually. Um, we don't have pastries and coffee for, um, well, we have coffee. Uh, they have the croissants. We have the eggs and bacon, although we have croissants now too. But you get my point. So he had to learn a different culture. And so I grew up in a trauma culture. And so that was the culture I knew, the, the, the language of hopelessness and fear and anxiety and anger and um, just despair. That's what I knew. And so I developed a confident expectation of bad because things were not going to be okay because they weren't. And so I started viewing life through the lens of rejection, and I had a hard time receiving love, and I had a hard time, you know, with relationships. But 
my mom eventually divorced my dad and met my stepfather, and he is the one who, thank you, Jesus, but even though he was, you know, verbally abusive, he led me to Christ. Thank you, Jesus. So God works all things together for the good, right? Amen. So I became born again at age 10, and I will never forget just crying in that moment. I felt the Holy Spirit touch me. Jesus came to live in me, but I did not know what belonged to me. So all of these new creation realities did not become my reality because I did not know what they were. And so Proverbs 23, 7 says, for as he thinks in his heart, so is he. And unfortunately, even if it's not the truth about you, if that's what you believe about yourself, it will manifest in different behaviors. And so as a child, because of all the pain and chaos, I actually started self injuring or harming myself because it was easier for me to feel the physical pain than the emotional pain I was was uh, feeling. And then, you know, as a teenager, I found alcohol and became a binge drinking alcoholic and just anything to numb that pain that I stuffed in and didn't talk about. And I couldn't talk about it because I would get in trouble. My dad was used fear as a tactic to get us to obey him. So I was afraid of him. Even when I would do things right, I was afraid of him. So I became a perfectionist as well and and wanted people's approval all the time. But eventually I ended up, you know, um, marrying. I met my husband in college. I was a fast runner I got a track scholarship, and I say that's because I used to like to run away from everything. And I actually met my husband, who was a foreign exchange student from France in college. And he was awesome. He is still awesome. We're going to be going on 30 years married next year. Thank you, Jesus. He so, And some people, after hearing this story, knowing that he's still with me, call him a saint. So anyway, but we're all saints, amen? So um, anyway, he's awesome, and God knew. Um, But I I met my husband, and we eventually got married and had three beautiful children. But what happened was when one of my children was the age that I was with the sexual abuse, I started having flashbacks, and just a lot of things happened. And I ended up in the the psych ward for the first time uh, because I ended up cutting myself with a butcher knife. And so I ended up going in because I was hearing these voices telling me that my family would be better off without me, that I was a horrible person, and uh, the list goes on. And I'm going to make this brief. This is the Reader's Digest version. There's more details and hold on to hope because it shows people that are struggling that I get it that I've been there but there's another side thank you Jesus to give people uh, hope and so um, but you know what we got to talk about these things because they're happening all the time out there and people need to know that God loves them and they can be free and he God I want to say this too God never wanted anyone to go through any kind of abuse. He didn't cause it. He didn't allow it. 
He has compassion on what we go through. He knows the root behind why we still struggle with things. And he wants to help us. And he will get us to the other side. But we have to know that he's not mad at us. He's madly in love with us because we'll run from him instead of running to him which is what I did for many years because I thought God was mad at me. And so I eventually, a year and a half later, after going to the psych ward, was diagnosed with bipolar disorder, post-traumatic stress disorder, anxiety disorder, ADD, panic attacks. I was a self-injure and alcoholic and developed a binge eating disorder. And I was told that all of these labels were incurable. And so I received all of these and that became my new identity. But when you believe something is your identity and a part of you, you will never stand against it because you believe it's a part of you. And so that's why I want to share the good news that, you know, God has compassion on us where we were at, but Jesus took mental illness at the cross. He took all trauma. Jesus went through trauma on the cross to heal all trauma. But that became my reality. So I was living out in you know, in and out of psych wards and and programs, getting drunk, cutting myself, cutting my wrist, writing, I hate me in two-inch black letters on my stomach with a razor blade because that's how I felt. That's what I believed about myself. And, and, and I, like I said, I thought God was mad at me, and he was disappointed in me, and he was like I couldn't have relationship with him until I stopped drinking, until I stopped cutting, until I stopped going into the psych ward, and that couldn't be anything further for the, from the truth. But I thought I had to earn his love and approval, and that's the law mentality of feeling like you have to earn God's blessings and love And Matthew 11, 28 to 30, the message version says, Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Is that good news? But I had no idea how to live freely and lightly at that time, but Jesus kept pursuing me. He never gave up on me, and he never gives up on you or your loved ones. And one time, I was actually cutting my arm and watching the blood flow, sinning, And I heard the voice of the Lord say to me, you don't have to do that anymore because my son shed his blood for you. He came into my mess. He is not afraid to come into our messes. He was loving on me because it's the kindness and goodness of God that leads to repentance and a change of mind. 
So I started receiving some of his love for me, even though I didn't at the time know that healing belonged to me. And so I'm just going to end with this. And, and by the way, turn to your neighbor and say, she's getting to some good stuff. <laughs> but I'll just say, you know, and I mean, I can laugh. I love to laugh. God has a sense of humor. Amen. You know, he loves to laugh with us, right? But I'll tell you, I was curled up in a ball in the psych ward for many years. So now I love laughing. But I'm not going to, just things got bad where I had suicide attempts, inpatient and outpatient programs, recovery meetings, psychiatrist appointment, constant medication changes. I was put on, you know, antidepressants, antipsychotics, ADD meds, mood stabilizers, and the list goes on you know, hopelessness, discouragement. Um, I, they asked me at my church to, at the time to speak at a conference, and my message was, this is the thorn in my flesh that I have that God gave me, and, you know, I'll just have to learn to live with it for the rest of my life. But God bless you, you know. But I'll tell you, I couldn't, like, hearing God loves you, I'm thinking, well, yeah, you know, I can understand, like, some things, but why would a loving God who is God put a mind-tormenting disease on me that makes me want to kill myself? And it just didn't make sense. And so I, you know, was crying out to him for help. And do you think God turned a blind eye to my cries? <laughs> no. And and so I want to share this. I did a study in Psalm 23. If you can leave here with this image, that'll be great because I'm a visual person. And it, I just love Psalm 23. There's so much revelation in it. And I actually have a whole chapter on it in Hold On to Love. But it was written by David. And it was written from the perspective of a well-cared-for sheep. And we're called sheep in the Bible, right? So David knew God as a good father. And so there's that verse that says, Psalm 23, uh, 3, he restores my soul. And so I did this study on Psalm 23 and sheep and shepherds, and I could talk to you about that for like two hours. <laughs> But I just want to say there's something that shepherds knew of that is called a cast sheep. And that is a sheep that has, you know, for there could be multiple reasons. It, it has, you know, hit a groove in the ground or something, and it has fallen on its back, and it can't get up. And the shepherd knew about this because if, if you don't find that sheep, it can die. And so I love how it says he left the 99 to go after the one. Well, there you go. So this is what a cast sheep looks like. And tell me if you can relate to this at some time, maybe even this morning. Help, 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 help. That's what it's doing. Help. But guess what? Do you know what a good shepherd does? A good shepherd reaches out his hand, pulls that sheep to his feet, 
rubs the circulation back into the sheep's legs, and sometimes the sheep stumble and fall again, but the shepherd will do the same thing until that sheep is safe and walking on his own. Now, let me tell you what a good shepherd doesn't do. A good shepherd doesn't go, sorry, you got yourself into that mess. I can't help you. Sorry. Oh, you were only in the word for five minutes today. Sorry, I helped you yesterday. You know, we got it once a week. I can help you. But unfortunately, many people view God that way. And he's a loving and good father. So I was crying out to him. And Psalm 107.20 says he sent his word and healed them. And, and sometimes he uses the body of Christ. And so what had happened was I was invited to actually a Christian recovery meeting where I met a couple of women. And one of them was a psychiatric nurse. And so I, we, you know, I had gone to the groups for a little while and I trusted her because she was a psychiatric nurse. But we started corresponding by email, and I said to her, and by the way, they told me that I used to go into these meetings and look down in shame all the time because I was filled with guilt and shame. And let's face it, in the world, the, they treat people that are diagnosed with mental illness as less than. And I will tell you, you are not less than. And if Jesus was on the earth right now, he'd be hanging out in the psych wards, loving on the people. But God loves you and wants you to know that you can be free. And God wasn't up in heaven saying, well, there's Nicole, my bipolar, mentally ill, you know, cutting herself daughter. He was like, That's my beloved child, Nicole. She's healed and whole. I love her. She is treasured, and she doesn't know it yet, but she's going to know it. And so I shared with this uh, psychiatric nurse, I said, I was diagnosed with this and this and this and this and this, and you know it's incurable. And she wrote back to me, and she said, with God, all things are possible. And I'm like, Wow, I know that's in the Bible somewhere, you know. And then she said, the enemy is trying to steal, kill, and destroy your life. And in that moment, I got a revelation that that had to be true. Because I had done everything the world told me to do. I was the A-plus psych ward student. You know, I did 54 steps. And anyway, and I I did, you know, whatever they asked me to do, I did it. And yet I could still not keep that peace. And the Holy Spirit just said to me, that is true. And I realized in that moment, how could I be so deceived? Just like I did in the beginning with that story. But it didn't matter anymore because I know in that moment I don't know what it is but I just knew and I it has been 14 and a half years I've never spoken those labels over my life ever since that day I switched all those labels to child of God and child of God became my reality and as I started learning who I was as a child of God 
my reality started to change in my life. John 8.32 says, then you will know the truth and the truth will make you free. Thank you, Jesus. Say thank you, Jesus. And so when we know and believe truth, it becomes our reality. And the truth is, I learned that we are righteous, we are holy, we are healed, we are full of peace and joy, and we are overcomers in him. We are blessed, we are loved. Is that good news? And so I also believe that in that moment, my brain was supernaturally healed. I can't even tell you why not. I mean, of course, <laughs> you know, just so much happened in that, in that moment. But I also had an unrenewed mindset that needed to be renewed. And I needed to unlearn some things. And I needed to learn, go from a trauma culture to a kingdom, new creation, reality culture. And I'm here to tell you the word works. And the kingdom culture is a confident expectation of good. And that's hope. That's why I hold on to hope. My license plate says hope. I have the Hope Center. And people call me a prophet of hope. Whatever. That's fine with me. I like it. But I had to start making choices to believe and receive the word of God over what the doctors told me and what was ingrained in my mind about bipolar disorder because I had soaked up everything the internet had told me that one in five commits suicide that you know I'd be in and out of psych wards for the rest of my life I'd just the list goes on and so it, it was a journey, but I learned that in Isaiah 53, 5, by his stripes, we were healed. I mean, you look up the Hebrew, and it, it's talking physical and emotional healing. There's nothing that Jesus didn't take care of at the cross. And that is such good news. Acts 10, 38 says, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. And the Greek word for healing in, that, in the uh, NAS exhaustive cordance for that verse also means curing. Jesus is our cure. He went about curing. That is good news. Why don't you just say, Jesus is the cure. And so, like I said, Romans 2, 4 says it's the goodness or kindness of God that leads to repentance. That Greek word means change of mind. So as I received God's forgiveness, love, acceptance, healing that already belonged to me, it caused me to not want to go out and cut myself, kill myself, get drunk. It caused me to start trusting some people that God put in my life and I, I just start hearing the voice of the Father more than the voice of me telling me to kill myself, loving on me. 
And so I just want to end with a few truths that have, you know, helped me on my journey that I need to hear over and over again. Because everything I talk on, I need to hear, okay? And uh, so, and I love that because I love what Andrew Womack says. He says, I haven't arrived, but I've left. And that's the way I feel. I haven't arrived, but I left. And I ain't going back to the psych ward, so I left those. But there's, you know, it's, it's a journey. And, and, and so, I, you know, I learned Hebrews 8, 12, that I, that I was forgiven of past, present, and future sins because of Jesus and him, faith in Jesus and what he did. Romans 8, 12 is one of my most favorite verses. For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. See, the enemy doesn't want us to forget it when we fail. (laughs) He's the opposite of God. He's the father of lies. And he loves to come in and accuse us and condemn us. And I believe a huge root to mental illness is condemnation. And so if we believe the voice of condemnation, we will constantly feel condemned, and that will be our reality. Guilt and shame will be our reality, which was mine for many years. But the good news is there is no condemnation in Christ. And when we know that joy, peace, and freedom becomes our reality, but Romans 8.1 the New King James Version says, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Just say out loud, no condemnation. And so the word no is an exclamation, and it has a lot of synonyms, such as absolutely not, most certainly not, of course not, under no circumstances, by no means, not at all, never, no way, and no way, Jose. So I'm going to read Romans 8.1 again, and it's a little bit of a Nicole version here. There is therefore now absolutely not, most certainly not, of course not, under no circumstances, by no means, not at all, never, no way, no way, Jose, condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Give your neighbor a high five. And so when that voice of condemnation comes in, I love this. I posted this on Facebook a couple months ago for all you women. I, I, I said, I literally cut myself off in the middle of a negative thought like, girl, we don't have time for this. You got to block that chick's number. That voice that sounds like you that, you know, it can be the em- enemy coming in does not belong to you. But you know what's interesting? And I minister to a lot of people that have gone through trauma, and I get it, um, is that when you grow up for many years in that trauma culture, trauma mindset, when you start getting free and you start experiencing peace, your flesh or your mind actually rebels against it and says, wait a minute. I don't know what peace is. That's unfamiliar to me. I want to go back to chaos and turmoil and fear. And so 
I had to learn over these past 14 years and recognize that's why people oftentimes when things are going good, they sabotage it. They sabotage relationships. They sabotage good things because, one, they don't think they deserve them. And two, it's just so unfamiliar to them. But I'm here to tell you, and Jesus has helped me in this, you can live in peace. You are worthy of good things because of Jesus. All the blessings of God belong to you, including peace. And so, honestly, some people that are labeled drama queens, that's really what's going on inside of them. And so I have compassion on people that are going through this, but I let them know that you can, peace can become so familiar to you that you start hating fear and chaos and turmoil. And that is good news. And then, you know, and by the way, the greatest healing in my life has been coming to know God as my heavenly father in relationship with him. It's all about relationship. There's no formula to any of this. It's about relationship with him. And he's a good daddy. Turn to your neighbor and say, you got a good daddy. But I, you know, learned that, you know, I used to search for approval growing up. You know, I wanted my dad's approval. I wanted people's approval. You know, it, it, I mean, the list goes on. There's so many things out there that we look for approval in the wrong places. But approval is found in Jesus Christ. And so I, we are no longer under the law but under grace. And Jesus came to show us the Father. He came as grace and truth. And that has been huge in my journey. But I want to end with this. Romans 5.17, the New King James Version, it says, For if by the one man's offense death reigned through the one, much more those who receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one Jesus Christ. And um, I'm going to just read this from my devotional, um, the grace devotional. Righteousness, I'm not even going to try to pronounce the Greek, sorry, even though there's no condemnation, but it, it, it actually means judicial approval, the verdict of approval, divine approval, refers to what is deemed right by the Lord, what is approved of in his eyes. The gospel is the good news that says by believing in Jesus, we are approved of and right with God. It's a gift given to us that we cannot earn. In addition, the word righteous in this verse is the Greek word, I'm not going to say it, meaning, and by the way, this, okay, well, anyway, Meaning innocent, fault, you can get the devotional, it's on page five. <laughs> you can look it up, take a screenshot. Uh, the word righteous, meaning innocent, faultless, and guiltless. In Christ, we are considered innocent, faultless, and guiltless as our identity. It's talking about identity, it's not talking about behavior. 
we don't have to try to be right with God. We are already right with him. And that is definitely good news. In the court of law, when the judge hammers the gavel, it means the case is closed with the verdict. Once the case is closed, it is finished. It's a done deal, never to be reopened again. And so the good news is, is that the case is closed. We are loved. We are righteous. We are approved of in him. We are healed. We are blessed. And the list goes on, but the case is closed that it's never going to be reopened again. And we can just say, thank you, Jesus, for that truth. So, Heavenly Father, I just thank you so much. We love you. We love you, Holy Spirit. We love you, Jesus. Jesus, thank you for going to the cross in enduring what you endured because we were the joy set before you and you wanted to set us free and you couldn't imagine being in all of eternity without us. And we just want to say thank you to you. And we thank you that you provided healing on the cross as a gift to us. Salvation, healing, peace, joy, So right now, in the name of Jesus, if anyone needs healing in their body right now, I just command healing right now in every cell of their body in Jesus' name. I command immune systems to work properly in Jesus' name. I command brain chemicals to be normal in Jesus' name. I break off fear and anxiety and torment off of people right now. Father, we just, we just thank you that we can agree as brothers and sisters in Christ for healing for each other to manifest in our bodies, in our minds. And it is such a gift from you. And we thank you that you are with us in this journey every step of the way. You never leave us. You never forsake us. You help us. You love us more than anyone ever could. You're our biggest cheerleader. You're always working out good in our lives and that at this very moment you are working out good in our lives and we just want to say thank you father that you could have had any power in the universe which you you have every power but your greatest power is love and we thank you for that in jesus name amen